Welcome to Whatever Works, our unique fortnightly podcast in which we talk about whatever works in our lives and in the lives of our community members. Find us at whateverworks.works. And why not join our community? Simply search for Whatever Works at mewe.com and get stuck in. Everything else is, um, you're okay with everything I think else? It's fairly straightforward, yeah. yeah. As always, it looks like it'll be a short show, but who knows? A short show, us. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Whatever Works, incorporating better before. Remember that? It's um, me and Aidan. Hello. Hello, Aidan. Hello, Aidan. Hello, Ted. Hello, hello. I wish I could talk properly sometimes. Yeah, so do I. Anyway, carry on. How are you keeping? All right? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I mean, we were just saying off air, I'm getting a bit bored with my house and my garden, but that's life at the moment, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah stoicism rocks. But you, you, and you've been jabbed up. I've been, I've had the first jab because I'm officially my mother's carer. Uh, to my astonishment, I had the first jab. Moreover... What a shame! I'm I'm not your, your I'm not a football fan. I had my first jab in the VIP suite at Watford Football Club. Which oh, was right. all very posh and exciting. <laughs> and the 15 minutes that they make you wait after the jab before they let you go home, I spent in a comfortable leather chair with a free coffee and free biscuits and a view of the pitch. It was all great, really? great fun. Did, did Elton John do your jab? No, he didn't. I'm sorry. No, I don't know if he's still involved at Watford. He used to be. Well, the, there's um, a dirty great stand there called the Elton John mm-hmm. Stand. I think. Yes. Okay. Anyway, we're coming to you um, with show one thirty at <laughs> one thirty. This is a whim of Aidan's. He said, "Let's do the next show, show one thirty at one thirty. Yes, but I blame you for letting me get away with it, Ted. <laughs> We've both well, had an early lunch special, so we could record show one thirty at one thirty. It's quite sad, I did wonder, really, isn't it? I, I did wonder if we're going to record the next show at one thirty-one. Well, I just thought, Ted, aren't you lucky I wasn't involved at the beginning? Imagine <laughs> show number four, but I've had us getting up at four o'clock in the morning to record yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And show 2,400 at midnight. There you go, then. <laughs> very, very silly. Whateverworks.works is where you'll find all the links to the stuff we're going to talk about today. And the stuff that you've been telling us to talk about as well in the MeWe group. Thank you very much for keeping that going, everyone. And uh, apart from that, tedsalmon.com is for me and aidenbell.com is for Aiden. Links out there from everywhere to everywhere. If you want to buy me a coffee, paypal.me forward slash tedsalmon. And if you want to, to us to buy stuff um, in the pot for whatever works, then um, do um, head across to Amazon and send us a gift voucher to my um, personal email address when I turn it into cash for me and Aidan to muck about with stuff which we can talk about on the show. Talking of me, we. It's all a very polite way of saying, give us your money, yeah, isn't pop it? Up, you gits. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of me, we let's fire off with Ian, shall we? Ian Barton brings us Bikina Steplight Wellies. <laughs> he says, I walk between two and eight miles a day. Good for you, Ian. Wow, I wish I had that conviction. Usually mm. in wellies. I have tried many different makes over the years, from cheapest chips to eye-watering expensive. Apart from being waterproof, the, they must be comfortable, of course. My feet tend to swell, says Ian, so I want a boot that is easy to get into and take off. My last pair, like many wellies, had narrow ankles, making them hard to put on and take off. Oh, I remember that, Ted. Do you remember those days, trying to get in and out of Wellington boots? Yeah. Goodness, there's a childhood memory. They were also heavy, so I ended up with a legs. These are considerably lighter than my last pair and don't have a narrow ankle, so they are easy to take on and off. This morning I walked about two miles through mud and frozen water. When I got back home, my feet were warm and the soles of my feet didn't feel sore. Also, my legs weren't aching from dragging heavy boots around. 50 pounds, approximately, he says, but give it some welly. (laughs) Well, actually, I don't think 50 pounds that much. I mean, when you can spend, you know, no. One or two hundred pounds on a pair of shoes. If these are if these are probably both work and pleasure shoes, and they look very nice. They look like conventional green wellies, don't they? But they've got an enormous, fat, mm. chunky, wonderful sort of tractor tire-looking black sole, which I rather like the look of. Um, yeah, nice recommendation, Ian. Thank you. Anyone looking for wellies, I think you could do a lot worse than TotalWellies.co.uk Burkina Steplight. 
You know what I'm going to say, don't you? What's that? I can't get stuff to fit my feet. Yes, well... Because it's, it's always my cry. They, they do go up to size 14, which on the face of it would be a, um, would be a, a hopeful. But th- my problem is exactly what Ian was saying, is that, that it's okay to have a size 14 welly, but you've also got to get your great big foot round the corner at the bottom. And I and whenever I've had wellies in my life, that's always been the big problem. So you get a pair of wellies that are two sizes too big for you, but then when you do get your foot round the corner, your sw- your feet are swimming yes, in them. Yes, I remember too that big. from 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 years ago as well. Yeah, so I think if... shoes should be sold in three sizes: men's, women's, and Ted Salmon's. <laughs> <laughs> And all of them made by Crocs. I love a pair of wellies by Crocs. Anyway, listen, they, they, they do they do look like a splendid pair of wellies. So, so thank you, Ian, and, and yeah. good grief. I'm assuming a lot of that walking that Ian must do is to do with his work. But wow, I'm jealous. I wish I yeah. had the um, the self discipline to do that kind oh, of walking. Oh yeah. He he owns half of the north of England. That's know. true. <laughs> he has to. His two to eight miles a day is just is walking to the shed and back. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Ian. We love you. Oh, anyway, right. from one Ian to another, I think. Uh, yeah, Ian Evans is next on the Viappy iPad stylus. Viape. Viape. Viappy. Anyway, recently, he says, I bought an iPad 11 Pro. Pro 11. No, 11 Pro. Pro 11. And fancy <laughs> being able to use the scribble feature on iOS 14, but didn't fancy shelling out £100 plus for the Apple Pencil. I found this one, the Viappi, um, on Amazon for 30 quid, and it does exactly what I needed. In actual fact, when he bought it, it was 20 quid. It's gone up to 30 now for some reason. Mm-hmm. It has tilt sensitivity, USB-C, and built-in magnet. So it sticks to the side of the iPad, through it, though, the, though obviously the iPad doesn't charge it as it would do the real thing. For occasional handwriting, probably not drawing, though. It's a no-brainer. Very good idea to certainly save a third or even a fifth, if you're Ian himself, when he got it cheaper, um, on not giving Apple all that money. But yes, if I, I guess if those higher-level things like charging you want to do, then you'll just have to. I don't know of any other ones. Um, any experience of stylus use, Ian? Uh, Aiden? 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 <laughs> I'll change my name to Ian as well. Ian Everyone's called Ian. On this show, everyone has to be called Ian. Ian, I'm going to change my name to Ian. <laughs> my brother's name actually is Ian Bell, so it would get very confusing. Um, I'm going to have to leave this to you and your PSC expertise, Ted, because the last experience that I had of a stylus was, I think it must have been my Galaxy F- Note 4, which would have been about seven years ago. It would be the last time I had a stylus in my little right. mitts. So, um, it is quite good fun. I've got a, I've got a stylus for my... Um, Samsung tablet and uh, occasionally I play about with it and uh, I mean it, uh, some people I guess will argue that they use it for note taking and meetings and that sort of thing and really get a lot of use out of it I had a um, Note 10 uh, Samsung Galaxy Note 10 phone here uh, um, just recently to review and that had a stylus and yeah it, it's it's very clever and good fun um, but yeah you can do it on the cheap as Ian says um, speaking as a complete layman here, is it the case that it used to be that a stylus was stylus was absolutely required, and then when technology changed, we all started using our fingers instead, and now a stylus is provided for just greater accuracy? No, um, the touchscreen, which well, the capacitive touchscreen, which Apple made famous with the iPhone. Yes. Um, although they didn't invent it, but um, they 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 kind of got it out there. That that became the the, the most useful. Um, finger-friendly um, screen technology. Before that, Nokia were mucking about along with others with resistive screens, and they tended to have styluses because of uh, because pointing was much easier right. on the screen. You could actually see the screen dent down when you put the stylus on it. You could see the resistive screen. Yes, I remember give. that. Yes, yeah, um, and so that it went that way. Latterly, um, where we're talking about Samsung S Pen and Apple Pencil, you know. It, it's just all got very, very clever. The technology's moved on. And uh, typically artists will use them with all sorts of degrees of um, shade and, see, um, right. and, yes. and, and press sensitivity. And but You're sorry you asked now, aren't you? No, no, no. I'm, I'm very interested. And I'm figuring <laughs> that until they work out, as I'm sure they will, how to build all that technology into a finger, <laughs> then indeed a stylus can do a great deal more than a finger can. 
Well, Samsung, are, are do, they do things like there's a, there's a button on the side of the um, on the on the S Pen, and they do things like you can put your phone across the room and press the button to, to fire the shutter on the camera. You know, so it depends how much you want to play with it, really, and 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 how much fun you think it is, and how productive you can be. I mean, one of the things that I was playing with was um, where um, live translation works. So if you if you hover the pen over a a word in um, a language um, that you don't understand on the screen hover it over it and it tells you what the word says on the fly and right. it's, it's, it's just just clever stuff so like it's doing that. a and lot more than simply making contact with the screen it's being used as a remote oh, yeah. control or yeah, yeah okay yeah, then yeah. i then i get it okay now i am glad i asked okay you can stop now <laughs> but 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 ian evans's one won't do all that stuff obviously no moving on it's a dumb stylus something i do understand ian warden no i'm joking andy warden <laughs> <laughs> on old-fashioned steamers. Oh, I remember this in the movie group. This is our most used kitchen gadget, says Andy, and he's linked to this lovely old-fashioned metal... It sort of looks like one of those um, antenna that opens up in space on a satellite. Uh, steamer. And Andy says, it's a very basic steamer which is used to cook all types of raw vegetables. Simply stand in a pan of water... I presume he means the vegetables, not yourself, in about <laughs> about an inch deep. Pop the lid on and heat up. Let the steam do all the work. Yes, indeed. We used to have one of these, uh, which I have used and I can vouch for. And uh, now, uh, as Julie Wills, I remember, also commented on the group, uh, we now have the, the slightly more modern, less exciting plastic version, which is basically just a bowl with holes in it uh, and a bowl of water underneath. And you pop that in the microwave and Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt, and it's done that way. This is more exciting and old-fashioned. Um, but either way, steam is a great way to cook. Do you have one of these, Ted? I don't, know. And oh. I've never used. I've never used one. Um... And we, I mean, I've got a steamer, uh, a three-tier steamer. Ah, oh, same, um, same principle then. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I've I've previously had a bamboo steamer that you put into a into a wok, and they work really well as well. Um, but I've never actually had one of these things that kind of, as you say, it kind of concertinas out, doesn't it? That's it's right. And sits on top yeah. of a so- any old saucepan, and and, mm. and and there you go. Nine quid. Almost cheap as chips. Yeah. Now, we were talking a few shows ago about underwear made from bamboo, if you remember. Oh, we were. Yes, yes. I think that was Mr. Kelly tactfully brought it was that onto indeed, the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, Atma Singh has um, moved that, that on and uh, found that we can make things um, from wood which are transparent. So we'll link to a show in the show notes to a, an article about this um, this this invention, this 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 thing that's come up um, called transparent wood. It's created from wood somehow. Um, it's made from low density balsa wood. Um, it's treated at room temperature, oxidising bath bleaches it of visibility. The wood is then penetrated with a synthetic polymer, blah, blah, blah. And it, anyway, the, the long and the short of it is it turns out to be the, um, per, uh, virtually transparent. Now, the, the, the thing is, the, the point of doing this is apparently that heat easily transfers through glass, whereas it won't through wood. Um, and it will help with energy bills because of that. And um, it, it will help with cold weather, keeping places warm. Um, and it, it, will, it will reduce the, the carbon footprint because of that. You know, research and development is just really interesting. You know, what they can do with stuff and and how, you know, I mean, who would have thought that you can make transparent glass effectively? Ted, made I'm just looking at this thinking, what is this voodoo? <laughs> this is just yeah, extraordinary, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. I mean, I, you know, making underwear out of bamboo was one thing, but um, transparent wood. Transparent it... wood. I mean, if I'd said that to my grandfather, he would have thought I was completely off my transparent tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Right, thank you, Atma, um, for bringing that to the group. It was because it is interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it develops and. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully the, the people that are, de- are developing are, are going to be transparent with their findings. Oh, boom, boom, I see what you did there. <laughs> bamboo is amazing, isn't it, Ted? I mean, there's something about bamboo. I think, I think panda bears have known something for a long time that we're yet to find <laughs> yes. out. Oh, no, this one's balsa, isn't it? It was the underwear that's bamboo. Oh, right, OK. This, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, um, Even so. point taken yeah. and, and, and joke appreciated. <laughs> I hold in my hand 
26 Hermes receipts. For some reason, because I'm weird and I've inherited my mother's inability to throw anything away, I've not chucked a Hermes receipt since since Covid began a year ago, which means I can tell you with confidence that 26 times Hermes have been to my door to pick up a parcel in the last year. So that works out at roughly once a fortnight. And then I got to thinking, well, since the majority, the vast majority of those will be parcels that I've returned to Amazon, that tells me... They must me... love you. Sorry? Uh, Amazon must love they you. They must love me. One lovely. every two weeks. Well, it, it seems so, Ted. I mean, without you going through them one by one, actually reading them and checking the dates. Yeah, it does seem that on average... And that got me thinking, because that got me thinking, God, if I've sent that much stuff, that much stuff back, how much have I bought? And I didn't dare. I mean, I have a couple of times opened my Amazon orders history and looked and thought it wouldn't take much effort to work out how many items and worse still, how much money I've spent since last March. And I've never quite had enough courage to do so. But it's something I thought other listeners might be interested to have a go at. More sensible people who buy things more sensibly than I do. It could be interesting to look back at one's Amazon history and see how much money one has spent slash wasted during this interesting year we've all been through. That's really all I wanted to say was 26 Hermes receipts got me thinking. Uh, I've got a little um, story about that, Aidan, which is about... I've had an Amazon account since the year 2000 and about 10 years ago I had this argument with them about too many returns and I actually in those days they were prepared to get into a dialogue with you about that those returns yes and so I I got into this exchange of conversation with them and I said to her I said to this woman who was liaising with me well uh, how bad is it you know uh, have you got I can't find any statistics about how much I've spent over the time I've had my account anyway she told me she came up with these figures and said that I had spent 48,000 pounds with Amazon (gasps) And that I had kept twenty four thousand pounds worth of it. <laughs> so, what she was, the point she was making oh. was that over half the stuff that I had bought from them over that period of time, I can't remember exactly when the time was, the time scale involved was, but um, during that time, I had kept less than half of the stuff that I'd bought. Okay, I have two questions. The first, is an ice cream van going past your house at the moment? Oh, quite possibly, yeah. (laughs) It keeps doing that, and it's the middle of winter. (laughs) I was being sarcastic, but if it really is, then okay, more voodoo witchcraft. Okay, second point, 48 grand? Has somebody put an extra zero in somewhere, somehow? I mean, wow, Ted, Ted Salmon, that's... Then again, I suppose over the course of ten years... It, well, I can't remember what it was. It might have been longer than yeah. 10 years. It might have been 15 years. Yeah. But the point was that, that I'd only kept half of what I'd spent. Goodness, yeah. But I suppose it's like anything. If it's taken you 15 years to accumulate that, then you will gulp a bit and say, good grief, did I really spend that much money? But when you work... It's like when you have... There's no money left in your wallet and you think, what did I spend it on? And then you carefully work it all out. And, oh, yeah, I did spend it. Well, uh, Right, I've done the calculation on that. And I've, I've based it on it being... 15 years I can't remember I honestly can't remember when it was but I've just done the calculation on that and it means that over the course of the the, the time I've spent £266 a month on average but I've only kept half of that so I only actually spent £133 a month so that averages out at about Thirty quid a week, or something, I suppose, okay. or forty quid a week. So it's not it's not as huge amount as you think. And and if you did that for yourself over the course of the last twenty one years, you might be also surprised by the figures involved. Yeah, and you actually give me the courage to maybe do the calculations for this last year because I mean we really have almost you know with the exception of groceries, we've literally lived from Amazon for this last year. Practically yeah. everything that I have bought apart from food has been from Amazon. So yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting uh, facts and figures. And if anyone else would like to let us know in the MeWe group what you have what you have given to the great Amazon charity over the last year, it could be fun to know. Okay, and now we turn to the aforementioned Mr. Kelly. Ted's top tips. Ted's top tips. Ted's top tips. Hello, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and Chris. Chris is telling, giving us my top tip this week, which is this fortnight, which is keeping knives sharp. A cheap honing block, he says, leather glued to wood, 
and green polishing compound. Clean the surface of the block with a couple of drips of cooking oil and a paper towel. Apply another couple of drips of oil and load the block with compound, like you were colouring it with a giant... Oh, I see what he means, right. OK, like you were colouring it with a giant yes, wax crayon. Yes. Sharpen your knives by drawing towards you only, as pushing away will cut the leather. It leaves a mirror finish, razor-sharp edge. These are available for, for, available for around £15 for the block and £7 for the compound. Please note that if the knife is in a poor state, this won't fix it. It's only for final sharpening. There you are, then. I'm just thinking, that's all very well, but you have to have a knife that you need to sharpen. I think I use a kitchen knife <laughs> of that type maybe once every month or two. <laughs> Take a very long time to need to sharpen it. But should I ever need to? Thank you, Chris. <laughs> I think this came up because um, we were talking about um, bread making machines and bread on the last show we were we put into room 101 some we did yes your bread machine thing. yes my mum wanted to cut slices of bread really thinly and chris was saying well the way to do it is this um combination of good technique and good tools he says the secret is to let the knife do the work and very little downward pressure required a steady back and forth action keeping the knife straight is all that's required this is of course contingent upon having a good knife the ones with fine teeth like a hacksaw i found work well on a loaf with a strong crust but will tear a soft loaf my preference is a blade with a wavy edge. One side is scalloped and the other flat, which is um, make, makes it easy to sharpen. So I, we had a go at this after Chris's comments. And I have to say that my mum is now cutting, following these, um, the, these tips, mum is cutting thin bread really, really well. Oh, super. And when I do it, I just can't do it. I, I, there's there's something wrong with my brain because I watch her do it and I think, well, why can't I do that? And I I try really hard to do it, and one side is always fatter than the other, and I just I, I don't know my my coordination is just shot. It's because you've it. got fat feet. Is that what it is? It's because you're standing wonky. <laughs> Probably. And I can't get I can't get them in wellies. If I if they were in wellies, yeah. I'd be if you right. buy those wellies that Ian suggested, your bread cutting will be to perfection. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, thanks a lot, Chris. And certainly, my mum has um, benefited from your um, from your tip, and she is getting her the, the bread the, the thin the thinness she wants. I bring you four toothbrush heads for three quid. Ooh. Now, I need to say straight away, these are not toothbrush heads that I would actually want to use as regular daily toothbrush heads because I wouldn't trust them further than I could spit them with my toothpaste. For £2.99, eye-catchy replacement toothbrush heads. Now, the reason I got these... <laughs> what? <laughs> I catchy. I catchy. Yeah, I mean, put like, an, I'm going I'm to catch the bits of food. I catchy. Put an I in front of anything and it'll sell more. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, now then, I, ha I, I, there it is again, I drink an awful lot of coffee, as I think you know by now, and I tend to stain the lower front teeth rather badly through all my constant coffee drinking. And when I make my annual visit or biannual visit to the, um, ah, what's the lady called who does things to your mouth? Hygienist. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> there are others, but this is a family show. Um, yeah. yeah, and she scrapes away at it, and each time I say, oh, I'm sorry, I must drink less coffee. And it occurred to me they use this strange stuff at the at the dentist, which is sort of like toothpaste, but has an interesting uh, sort of smell and texture to it and a grit to it. So I got on the web and I looked this up and I discovered it's called Profi Paste. So not only did I pay two ninety nine for my four eye-catchy toothbrush heads, I also bought some Profi Paste mint-flavoured, tricksopic, medium-grit, pink teeth polishing, cleaning, stain removal stuff. <laughs> now, that was thirteen ninety nine, so that weren't cheap as chips, but the pot is going to last me, I mean, literally to the end of my days. This pot, how much How much is in there? It doesn't say quickly on the front, but there's, a, there's enough in here, really, literally, to last me for years. 300 grams. Uh, medium grit, I don't know what the difference between the grits is. I'm sure Chris Kelly could tell us all about that. Um, anyway... I tried this stuff and give me an old phone and call me Steve Litchfield. It worked. <laughs> it worked. I did. I've tried 
I've tried just regular toothpaste. Before you say, <laughs> I've tried just brushing my lower teeth hard to get rid of the stain, and I've not been able to. But this stuff, I had a good bit of fun with these cheap and cheerful t- heads, and I cleaned up the stain off my front teeth. So my poor hygienist may be looking for another job. There it is. What, what I want to know is, what is thymol? So the, the three, um, the three flavours you can get is mint, citrus or <laughs> thymol. What on earth is thymol? I love your left of field view of these things, Ted. <laughs> I have no idea what thymol is. You could always order some and see. I'm just smelling the mint. Oh, yes, it's a very, very dentist's minty kind of smell, this one. Um, mm. but, but the point is, um, as I say, I, these toothbrush heads ostensibly seem like perfectly decent toothbrush heads, but I'm quite sure that if you use them for more than three or four days, they'd be rubbish. But as a use-once-throw-it-away solution for polishing every sort of three or four months, they they were perfect. They did the job, and um, there we are. I'm now my own hygienist. Uh, thymol is a natural moniterpenoid <laughs> phenol derivative of P-cymine isometric carvacorol found in oil of thyme. Ah, it's the thyme, th- time, time, time. It's an herb, That's isn't it? the word. Okay. It's an herb. Yeah, right. Well, well why, why, can't, why, why can't they talk properly? Thank you for that, Ted. It's time. <laughs> why don't they just put time? Well, time out. <laughs> Shall we move on? <laughs> yes, let's. Right. Felting foam is my cheapest chips. I had a hum on my microphone, as you well know. And this was um, whittled down um, over a number of weeks to a balsa wood table I'm using while I'm not able to get to my normal place of abode. Right. Um, and the vibration or whatever it is is going through the table and up through the microphone stand, um, which is sat on the table. Um, we tried iso- all, all sorts of isolating activities and principle. You had me hanging the microphone from the ceiling at one point. Anyway, the fix for this was a piece of felting foam. Um, and I, I'm looking at it now. It's My microphone stand is st- st- sat on top of this thing. It's about two inches thick and about nine inches by six inches. And it costs three quid from um, Amazon. Link in the show notes. And it just does the trick perfectly. The reason I brought it to the show, really... Um, this hum is completely gone now. The reason I brought it to the show, really, was to say that in my in the process of looking for these um, things, there are all sorts of rip-off, basically the same thing, bits of foam, um, which are produced for the audio file people to put under speakers and stuff to isolate speakers and you know and they're ridiculous prices 40 50 60 quid and it's essentially the same thing it's a piece of foam okay it might be shaped nicely and have a nice color or a nice badge on it or something but essentially it's a bit of foam and the, I, I was just really shocked by the fact that you can just buy a bit of felting foam whatever felting is um and it's three quid and it does exactly the same job as any other bit of foam would in fact if i'd had a piece of um you know those um when we when you were a kid and you used to go camping you took these mattresses with you that were a roll you rolled them up oh, and tied yes, them up yes 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 like this wavy foam stuff that would have done if i'd had a bit of that in the garage it wouldn't have even been three quid it would have been no quid but i didn't happen to have any um but i thought for three quid this bit of foam um was um did the job nicely and i'm looking at it now and it's even got coffee stains on it now that's disgusting <laughs> isn't it I'm just curious what it's actually sold for. Is it just a sort of multi-purpose, anything you can think of product? Felt your favourite images. What does that when mean? You, when you find out what felting is, you'll have the answer. I know what is. <laughs> no, no, you can't say that. <laughs> right, shall we move on? <laughs> What's felting? Hang on, we've got to find out now. Felt is a textile material. Oh, it's making things out of felt. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just basically a craft product, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent call, sir. Well done. <laughs> Any more top tips? Yes, one more top tip. Yentob Loeb brings us the Isol Pen Loop. This is interesting. I know it's simple, but the magnet pen designed for my phone was always falling off. You can get different numbers of these pen loops for cheapest chips. Super on a tablet, on a desk, in a bag, so it doesn't fall to the bottom. £1.59 for three. 
Yentop, wow. these are cute. These are fun. I mean, I immediately was thinking off the wall. I've been redecorating my bathroom, as I think I've mentioned, and I suddenly thought, oh, I mean, these would look rather attractive. You could, one could stick these on the wall and, and run the cables through them to hold. The, so there's another thought. Um, and not just styluses, but regular pens, ordinary pens. Yeah, another one of those things, a bit like your foam, Ted, that, that, that has a myriad uses and don't cost much money. In fact, it's cheaper than oh, your I phone, see. half the um, price of your phone. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the um, I'm looking at the pictures on the Amazon thingy, and yeah, it looks like it's a kind of sticky pad with a bit of um, yeah, yeah, elasticated. Yes, it's a small yeah. square sticky pad, but it's turned through ninety degrees, so it's more like a diamond. And on one of the horizontal corners, there is a little elasticated loop of material which can be used for holding pens or wires or whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clever and cool and cheap as chips. Right, OK. Lastly, for cheap as chips, is Chris Clayton. Just bought an Apple Watch band from AliExpress for one P. <laughs> one penny with free shipping. Oh, now, what? We, we, we were talking about something last week, last show, weren't we, about one P, but it and was And then the shipping is extortionate. Yes, yes. Yeah. He says this is one P with free shipping. Oh, really? The, he says the Apple equivalent band costs 99 quid. I wonder if it'll ever arrive, however. Postage estimate is April. <laughs> and if it does, it'll probably fall to pieces. But, um, yeah, that, that's interesting on the back of what we were saying last time. Yeah. This one, how, how on earth is that a thing? How well, I they... wonder if it's to do with pulling the person in and grabbing their interest. Oh. If they send you this thing and then they say, right, this is that, and now if you give us more money, we'll give you this, that and the other, and you're supposed to say, oh, that's wonderful, yes, okay. If it's just to draw you into their cunning plan. I don't know. I'm very curious, Chris. Do let us know, come (laughs) April, what happens. Very curious. I want one, I want one, I want one. I want one of those. Okay, now I I bet you know what this is because you're in the music industry, kind of, aren't you? Well, you used to be anyway. In the old days when in you worked. In the old days when I worked, yeah. what was that? I remember work. Yes. Yeah, I found this thing called a thumb piano, and I'd never. I, I've heard of these um, Jewish harp thingies that you stick in your gob, but a thumb piano and. When I, I liked the look of it, and I so I went off, uh, off to YouTube and I found a, a, a video of someone actually using one, and I thought that looks really neat, and I, I thought that would be really really good fun to play with, almost like a, a, a stocking filler at Christmas or something, because they're all different kind of prices. Doesn't cost a fortune. Looks really really good fun. A new skill to learn possibly, um, and also keeping your fingers moving so you don't get arthritis. But yeah, basically, it's a piece of wood, or it can be metal, or it can be anything, really. Um, and it's got a kind of hole in it, and it's got these uh, different lengths, bits of metal, that you kind of just pluck and ping. And when you watch the, the person doing this with great skill on the YouTube video, it really is a lovely sound that's coming out of it. Um, obviously, that person is very, very talented and has been doing this a long time, probably. But um, I thought, yeah, that looks fun. I want one of those. And I was thinking about possibly getting one however the 25 pound 99 one that i linked to is a bit much i suppose um what you want is a one for a fiver any experience with any of these uh, aiden um listen to this Ah, Ah, (laughs) Um, you actually got one it's this classic thing and you'll see a picture i've just posted into our recording notes to show you me with the very instrument yeah i have a box Uh. of all kinds of odd bits of percussion that i've collected over the years (laughs) and i have to tell you i have no idea where i even got it from i've had it for so long it's just something i own yeah it is fun but as you point out you have to know how to play it um you know i remember i adore the irish ullian pipes and once decided oh i think i'll learn to play them until i discovered that it takes seven years to master the basics before you can even begin to become proficient and i mean i don't think it'll take you seven years to learn to play this but (laughs) i don't know what can i say yeah I'll, I could send you this one to have a play with if you like. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to publish that picture of yourself. Uh-huh. That's just really funny. OK, quick, move on, because I'll never put this down otherwise. Still 
I am still blind, <laughs> therefore I'm still using my thin optics glasses. If you yeah. remember, Mr. Salmon and dear listener, this is this lovely, cute little invention that I think started out as a Kickstarter-type campaign, which may be where I first discovered it, but it's now available. It's on Amazon these days too. doesn't cost much. I think it's around the 20 quid mark. And what yes. it is, it's it really it really does have the look and the size and the feel and the shape of a modern car remote control button thingy. Yeah. But what happens is you slide it and out pops a little tiny weeny pair of pincenia glasses that you pop on the end of your nose and you can use in an emergency. And it's got me out of a fix many, many times. If you know, if you're suddenly somewhere where someone says, can you just quickly read this and sign it? And you oh, my glasses are in the car. Well, no, you've got a spare pair of glasses in your pocket that you can just whip out. So they're not for wearing at, for, at, for, at length. They're just for popping on quickly when you need to see something in a hurry. And I brought them to the show number 66, September 2018. And they're still in my pocket. They're still going strong. And they still are a lifesaver once in a while when I need them. I remember that, yeah. Um, and I'm pleased to hear that you're still using them when needed, when you go out and go to work, you know. <laughs> yes, I remember leaving the house. Yes, I remember we used to do that once, didn't we? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a great idea. And tell me, um, I, remind me, because I'm sure I asked you this before. Um, how? Do, why don't they fall out? They don't fall out because it's very cunning. Let me have a look. If you imagine you've got a pair of pincenears, now turn them upside down and then fold them upwards so that basically you've got they're, they're completely yeah. in half. And then you pop them in the top and there's a little yeah. catch. And when you pull down, they get sucked right down into the base. Moreover, they're being held in there by the slidey uh, catch knob catch. thing. Right, so okay. once you slide that back out again, out they come. So they really okay. they couldn't fall out because they're actually physically being held in and they only get released once they are completely out. Okay, very good. Yeah, yeah, 20 quid on Amazon. So, um, yeah, I thoroughly I'll give you one those. negative I have noticed, but even only today, playing around with them while I'm talking to you, is that because they've been in my pocket for literally two years, they are starting to get a bit dog-eared and dirty, which I suppose is inevitable in a pocket. So presumably, right. if you wanted to use them or you wanted to have really good, clear sight with them, you might need to replace the glasses every few months. Um, okay. But otherwise, I have nothing bad to say about them at all. Ah, and also, they're only in plus 2.5, by the looks of it. Well, on Amazon, they are. Are they? On a, OK, them, when I know. bought them, and I'm sure if you go to the actual uh, Thin Optics website, yeah. you can get them in, in yeah. all sorts of variants, yeah. yeah. Sure. Very good. OK, well, I haven't done as well as you tracking down exactly what show and date my item was on, but it was on um, certainly more than 12 months ago. A Philips Beard and Stubble ah. Trimmer, Series 7000. Really, really good um, beard and stubble trimmer, which I've been using this week. It reminded me, this week I've been doing my head. In fact, I posted a photo on <laughs> whatever yes. works of my head re recently shaven. Um and this thing is really, really good. I use it on 0 0.5 on my head. Um, it's got a little vacuum cleaner thingy, sucker thingy in it, <laughs> oh. which is, a, to be honest, it's a bit of a pain but because you, you have to keep emptying it out. But, um, yeah, the, the, the bits get sucked inside a little chamber in the middle of the thing. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the blade is apparently self-sharpening, whatever that means, or how it does that, I don't know. Um, the battery is rechargeable, so not AA, sadly. Um and it seems to go very, very well over my head. I do it myself, just using a mirror, and um, works really well. When it comes to doing my beard tr trim, um, you can turn it right up from 0 0.5 to uh, maximum is number 10. Um, and that does me for doing my beard as well. So, so it works really well. Uh, it's still going. It's rechargeable. Battery seems good. It does cost 80 quid. It's not the cheapest. And, but that's the same price as it was when I got it first. Um, and it's an excellent, um, an excellent thing which I continue to recommend. The Philips Beard and Stubble Trimmer Series 7000. I'm very impressed with the vacuum parts. That, that, that does look fun. And um, yes, Ted, it looks fabulous. It looks like a, 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 a more upper class version of what I bought uh, during lockdown when we had quite a lengthy discussion on the MeWe group about hair shaving and beard trimming. I bought the Hattaka Professional for 40 quid. Oh, So yeah. that's half the price of yours. And so I obviously can only expect half of what you've got. Um, yeah, they're, they're good. They're, they're great to have, aren't they, Ted? And I, I presume you probably you've trimmed your beard, I'm sure, for many years. 
until lockdown happened, until COVID came along, I'd never once even considered cutting my own hair. And I was forced into doing so by lockdown and now discovered it's incredibly easy. And I think I worked out I've saved over 100 quid by now in hairdressing bills. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think one can consider that. You may say, oh, it's quite expensive at £70. But once you've owned it for a few months, you've practically paid for it in the money you would have saved going to the barber. Although, having said that, your one looks like it's much more flexible. Um, and it's got a lovely LED readout display. Yeah, mine is quite a sexy-looking one. And, yeah, it doesn't... It, it is adjustable. It's adjustable in itself from 0.5 to 2.5. 25, whatever that means. Oh, to 25. So that's got it's got a bigger range than mine, because right. mine's 0.5 to 10. Oh, I see. And then, then one starts to put on these plastic things that make it enormous. The, oh, the you distance. can charge yours with a USB as well. Now, you see, that's that's a bonus because you get a proprietary charger with mine and that's it. you just got to plug it into the wall. But you can charge yours from a computer by the looks of well, it. Well, the funny thing is you can and you can't. It's USB, but it is proprietary socket. You can't oh, just pick up any old USB because it's it's actually got what looks like a 240-volt um, figure of eight plug in the bottom, but it's actually proprietary to their weird USB system. But oh, I would also yeah. say I've, I bought it at the beginning of lockdown. I decided to charge it yesterday or the day before because I would need to cut my hair again. And it was still at 80 percent. So it's only used 20 percent right. of a full charge since last March. Although, of course, right. I don't use it that often. Right. OK. Well, both of those anyway. Two recommendations. Sorry, I sort of muscled in on yours there, Ted. Apologies no, no. for that. And, and also you can wash yours, which I can't do with mine. <laughs> It's not it's not waterproof, right. so you you can actually put it under a tap by the looks of yours. Okay, so actually, what I'm still using is yeah. better than Ted's. So <laughs> absolutely, yeah, two for the price of one. In fact, three for the price of two. I should say for still using. Now that pregnant pause is where we still don't have a jingle. Oh yeah, right. Well, in, okay. in lieu of a jingle, I will play you this. Reviews. I bought a saucepan. Uh, that, that sounds like the um. The oh yeah. Food. Test match special. Um, what it is, I needed a new non-stick saucepan. My mother has some fabulous saucepans made by a company called Sambonet, S-A-M-B-O-N-E-T. Um, now, the good news is, if you look on the Sambonet website, as I did today, their saucepans are expensive. My lord, they're expensive. Hundreds of euros in this case for a set of saucepans. However, the bad news is my mother bought her set in 1958. (laughs) So we're still cooking with 63-year-old saucepans in our kitchen. And having made some scrambled eggs last week, uh, and it then took me literally two days to clean the saucepan, soaking and scrubbing and waiting and soaking again and waiting and scrubbing some more and soaking again. I I said to my mother, listen, would you condone me buying another saucepan, please? I popped a message on on MeWe to see what the listeners thought. And we came across that awful thing that we've talked about on the show in the past, which is that you can't buy one of something. You have to buy a set. Um, some kind people were recommending some superb-looking nonstick pans at not a great deal of money, but you had to buy a set of four or a set of six or even just two, and I only wanted one. So I was really getting quite frustrated and thinking, oh, sod it, it's locked down, I've got nothing better to do than scrub pans, never mind. When this week um, we had our groceries delivered by Ocado, which is, of course, Marks & Spencer's, and I thought, aha, this won't be just any saucepan, this will be a Marks & Spencer's saucepan. Um, and I bought one. I bought a non-stick saucepan from Marks & Spencer's, 18 centimetres, which is the same size as the one I wanted to replace, £19.50, so neither cheap nor expensive. And I have to say, uh, we are minutes away from having done a scrambled eggs test at lunch this afternoon with our 1.30 recording for show number 1.30. And it's amazing. It's amazing. I'll just tell you straight off, the scrambled eggs, we ate the scrambled eggs, I filled the saucepan with water, I poured the water out, and that was it. I didn't even have, I mean, I did clean it properly, but I wouldn't even have had to run a cloth around it or anything. Mm. It was superb. Um, It's good and hefty. It's got a weight to it. For anyone interested in the minutiae, it weighs 915 grams as opposed to the 712 grams of the Sambonet. Um, it's deeper than I would have liked. It's it's it is a deep pan. Um, it's not a pizza. It's a deep pan. Um, it's got a lovely solid metal round piece that almost seems to be attached to the bottom, which is ultra flat, and it seems to sit 
on our electric hob much more firmly and comfortably and solidly than did the Sambonet. And it's got some heft, so it really feels like it's making a good contact to the oven. Um, it's got a lovely glass handle with a good, a lovely glass lid, sorry, with a good tall handle on it. I would have preferred, especially on the lid, that the edges were a little more rounded because I find with food products, kitchen products, where they have anything close to a sharp edge, I find that over time, dirt starts to accumulate and collect and it's much easier to clean round things than square and straight things. So that could be a problem in the future with keeping it clean. But... um, I'm very pleased and the scrambled eggs test was an absolute dream and it feels like a good hefty pan that one could cook a winter goulash in without any problems at all. So I think I found my saucepan. Marks and Spencer's uh, £19.50, 18 centimetre non-stick aluminium saucepan. That um, cleaning thing sounds um, uh, just as good as the omelette maker. Every time we make omelettes, I'm amazed at how nothing seems to stick to it. You you put a cloth on it after to wipe it off, and one wipe, and it's just gone. Oh, I'm just saying, I mean, I I took your advice after the last show, and I bought an omelette maker the same as yours, and it is. It's 100% Donald Trump. Nothing will stick to it whatsoever. It's the same as the... um, the waffle maker that I brought onto the show that we've talked about. Yeah. It's the same thing. You make a waffle and out comes the waffle and there is nothing left behind. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? That, that material, whatever it is, that coating. I bet it's bamboo. I bet it's... You, look it up. I bet it's bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's wooden glass. That's the one. <laughs> right. My one... I'm very pleased you found a good source. That's great, yeah. Um, my one is a mini... A very small one. A, a glass mini measure. And this is a little glass thing it's like it's like a it's like a shots glass almost it's very cute and it's very small uh, uh, to be honest it's now 7.99 i got it in a flash sale for half price but i, I wouldn't have paid eight quid for one but um it, it's just it, it's got like loads and loads of measurements on it from fluid ounces to shots to, to even it, it does dry stuff so you can put teaspoons and tablespoons of of you know what you know small amounts of pepper or salt or whatever in it as well but the reason i bought it was because i have I have to admit during lockdown i've taken to be having a little a wee hey, nightcap a wee, drum there. A, a wee hey. nightcap and actually i had in order to not drink too much um brandy in my case um I decided that um, I, I had no way of measuring what a pub measure was, which is 25 mils. So this is why I started ah. out on the quest to find one. And now when I have my, my, my wee drum, um, uh, my, my nightcap, I can actually make sure I'm not having too And it much feels brandy. more official, I bet, in such a glass. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> more like a medicine. <laughs> But it's but it's really really well made. It's really hard and solid and dumpy and it, it you know it feels like if you threw it on concrete even it wouldn't break. It's thick glass, yes. really really nice. I mean I wouldn't recommend that anyone goes and pays eight quid for one. And if you go and look for these, they're all over Amazon. Um, and you know for cheaper prices. But this is a, a particularly nice one. I think it's made by uh, Vell, whoever they are, V E L. Um, and it's just a really nice little dinky thing to, as an accessory to have um, for whatever purpose you want. And it's littered. This particular one is just littered with different measures and stuff that you can do for those short, um, you know, those small amounts of measure that you want to do in cooking or, in my case, drinking. Well, I have to say, the fact that the picture on Amazon looks like a urine sample aside, <laughs> I will definitely be looking for one of these. I, we have a, a, a glass measuring jug, and um, I think it was when I started my bread-making thing, like we all did in lockdown. I had to buy a smaller measuring jug for that purpose. And now this looks like, you know, the third of the set. This, this is the sort of thing that really does appeal yeah. to me. I would love to have one of these in the kitchen. And as you say, eight quid is pushing it. So if, if as you say, yeah. there are others on Amazon, I think that's what I'm going to be doing after we've recorded, Ted, is trying to find a well, cheaper well, one. If you scroll down on the Amazon page, you can see already that there, you can get two. You see, we, we should have clubbed together because there's two for a tenner. Two for a tenner there, and, yes. And they look pretty much the same, you know. I, so, I mean, you do, do shop around. Yes. You don't, don't, don't necessarily get this one. But, um, yeah, there's some really nice little dinky glasses but, out there that do short measures. But very good. Very nice. Indeed. Your turn. 
the brains were going, there's got to be a gag somewhere. There's got to be a tie-up line about the head getting pissed with his little shot glass, but I, I couldn't go there. OK, I've got a quick one. This is not really a review. This is just to let people know there's something available. I can't really review it. There's nothing to say. It's a wall-mounted soap dispenser. As I'm sure you know by now, I've been redecorating the bathroom. I wanted a black soap dispenser to put beside the sink. And I found this one for £8.99. It isn't worthy of either high praise nor criticism. I mean, it does what it says on the tin. It is a soap dispenser. It looks attractive. Uh, It came in at a good price. It's plastic, of course. Uh, You fix it to the wall. It's got a slight sort of catch hook at the top so you just pull it forward to open it put the soap in it pop it shut and when you want to wash your hands you just press the button as you do anywhere in any public convenience anywhere press the bottom of it and out comes the soap um as i say that's it i can't say more than that except that i'm i'm very happy with it it does what it's meant to do and it was less than a tenner so a a wall-mounted soap dispenser should anyone want one you could say um, a bit more in terms of how you mount it to the wall. Oh, uh, it's uh, the, the the standard thing. It's got um, one of those holes at the back that uh, uh, there must be a name for this special sort of hole. It looks a bit like a snowman. It's got a large hole followed by a small hole. So you push it over right. your screw or nail and then pull it down to the smaller hole and then it won't come off. I'm sure there's Very a technical good. word for that. But if you know what I mean, that's how it fixes to the wall. We could have done a, a, a still using on this because I don't know if you remember, but we did a double. There was a double one, and we've got them in the showers at my mum's oh, house. Right. In each of the showers, there's a double one, and actually you can get a triple one as well. And you can put, um, you know, shampoo in one and soap in the other, and shower gel in the other, or whatever you want to do. Um, and yeah, we spoke about these probably two, three years ago, and they're still going. So they, they definitely should have been a still using, um, and they work really well. Exactly the same as yours. You lift the front up. You, the, in fact, the, the the bottle inside looks exactly the same as the ones that, that, that we've right, got here. Right. Yes. So yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're really good. Very much like your excuse for getting pissed glass. There are many variants available <laughs> online, and this is just the one that I happen to pick that yeah, works yeah. for me. That I can tell people, well, it does actually work. Very good. Well done. Okay, now to our favourite section. Right, my first thing is people who are laissez-faire about how they package up parcels and send them in the post Ah. or by courier. Some of them, honestly, some people that send me stuff, um, and it's usually not companies, it's usually individual people, they send stuff to me, and they, they obviously haven't bothered at all to put one bit of tape round it or one bit of sellotape in some cases. Just the, the thing has been thrown about by the post office or whoever, and it, it, it parcels need packing up properly. And when I send stuff to people, as you probably know, Aidan, and, and you're... Incidentally, I'm, this isn't you at all. When you send me stuff, you're as you're as good as me. Everything is, you know, all probably completely over the top, super yes. secure, parcelled up, tape everywhere. You know, make sure that that's not going to come apart. But other stuff I get, and I think to myself, why can't people bother to just, you know, take a bit more tape? For goodness' sake, parcel tape is cheap enough, and just do it properly instead of being laissez-faire yes, it's because about people it, so... forget that it's going to be chucked around hither and thither and it needs to yeah. have a degree of protection people sort of just don't realize it's not just going to miraculously appear at the other end exactly and the and the one common um um uh, co- um comment i get when i when i sell a phone or or or, or an item and, and when it arrives at the other end the first thing that most people always say is oh it's amazingly well wrapped um, and it was, and and I got something for the other day from um, from uh, Richard Yates, and his his was the same. It was like me and you. It was just amazingly well yes. wrapped up yes. and very very thoughtfully done, and blah blah blah. Um, and yeah, so Room One Hundred One, who are laissez faire about yeah. parceling but stuff then up. There are the, then you know, there's also the other extreme. There's the people who just go too far and use an entire roll of tape, and you actually find yourself needing to take a degree to get the bloody thing open, or you find that you've cut and hacked away so much at it, you've then damaged the contents inside trying to get to it. <laughs> well, that's me and you, because when you send me stuff, that's what it's like, and when I send stuff out, that's what it's like. I think it's much better to be OT. Oh, absolutely than it is to be the thing you know just about getting there if you're oh, lucky yes. would you rather receive a package that's going to take you an hour to open or a note from the post office saying sorry this came open in the post we've lost it 
Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Steve Litchfield brings an interesting one. Stereo mixes for live music videos that are flipped. He said, so we're looking at live music events and there's a guitarist on the left side of the stage as we look at it. Yet in the the audio mix, e.g. on YouTube, and he gives an example, the guitarist is mixed all the way to the right. I realise, says Steve, that what they're trying to do is the guitarist is technically stage right, as seen from the band's point of view. But everyone watching it is going to say, oh, but the keys are mixed in the wrong way round. In my honest opinion, (laughs) says Steve, the audio should match what the audience viewer sees and hears. Well, you know what? Again, I have to plead ignorant here. I always thought it was. I do totally agree with Steve. And I wonder if he's just found, um, you know, the rough in the diamonds, as it were. Because certainly speaking from a classical music point of view, where there is a distinct uh, pattern of where where orchestral players are positioned, you hear that on a recording as if you were sitting in the audience listening to the orchestra on the stage. You don't hear it as would, for instance, uh, the tuba player sitting at the back of the orchestra facing the orchestra from the other end. So, yeah, I totally agree with Steve, but I wonder how common that is, whether it's just a one-off that he's found. Yeah, I don't know. Um, It certainly wouldn't happen with Sony 3.6 reality audio, would it? When we sit in our globe and and everything is exactly in its right place. Well, unless it was exactly in its wrong place because it was entirely backwards. No, but the point is that they, <laughs> the point is that they, they, they are so attuned to making sure that that is perfect yes. for the listener. Yeah. The point, the Steve's point is that that, 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 yeah, they flipped it so they don't really, you know, the guitarist is on the left and it sounds like he's on the right. I do get that. I haven't personally ever noticed that. But then Steve list, watches. He sits in front of YouTube all the time, yeah. I think, and just watches music and and people on stages. He loves live music, and so he's. If anyone's going to notice it, he. Yeah, and I, but I agree with Steve and I concur with him. And I think, I wonder if it's just in that particular instance, somewhere along the production line, they've flipped the stereo by mistake. There we are. Yeah, maybe. We'll see how, how regularly he does yes. it. Right, top and tail for this show, we're going to give to Ian Barton. Ah, the Honourable Judge Barton, just as it should be. And, and actually on a similar theme, Ian Barton wants to put into, um, into Room 101 YouTube defaulting to autoplay. I got a new Chromebook recently, he says, and once I had it set up, set up, I decided to watch a YouTube video. Once it finished, it started autoplaying the next video. I have autoplay turned off on all my other devices, and I'd forgotten how annoying it was. I want the option to turn off autoplay completely, forever, on any device. I have now or will have in the future ever. Hooray! Absolutely! And I completely agree, because um, I notice this myself. Whenever I fire up a new phone, set up a new phone to review or whatever, that's one of the things I always have to go into YouTube and fix. Unless it's a Pixel, to be fair. If pixels tend to remember those things for some reason. Um, but, yeah, you've got to go in there, turn it off, and blah, blah, blah. The same is true of um, 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 of Twitter. Every time I set up a new phone, I have to go into Twitter and turn off um, autoplay media, audio stuff in there as well. I think it is quite common that that happens. But Ian is right. Where you've got cross-platform Google services, you should be able to do that for your account. The point is that this should be assigned to your YouTube account and not to the device. But I also think it should be an opt-in in the first place. I mean, I'll use the F word. It's the same on Facebook that they instantly yeah. play videos at you. Why not give you the choice? We all know what a play button looks like. And if we want to hear, see the video, we'll hit the play button. Indeed, yes. Indeed. The other, you know, the other biggie with me with, with YouTube, I don't know if you notice this or the listeners, is volume. YouTube, some YouTube videos seem to be mixed uh, for people living on another planet. I mean, the sound yeah, that comes... Yeah bursting out sometimes on YouTube. I wish they, they, they'd get some sort of compression or gating going on on YouTube so that didn't happen. Auto-balancing of exactly. volume levels. Yeah, yeah, because um, you can't really blame YouTube for that. It's, it's how people record them, but they could put a yes, filter Yes, they could in. indeed. They could, have right. a, they could have a gate, yeah. which is to say that the volume will never exceed a certain level. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. Anyway, there, there you go are. then. We're done. Oh, no, we're not. We've got gold star yet. Oh, we've, we've got, got no, no gold, gold stars. stars. We, we hate everybody. No, no one we deserves hate, a gold we, star. We hate everybody oh. this week. We hate everyone and love no one. I just oh, said gold scar I, by mistake. I wonder if now there's something to think about. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> 
Yes. Who can I give a gold star to? I, I'll tell you what, I'll give a gold star to my mum for her cauliflower cheese. OK, yeah. and I'll give a gold Very star nice. to my mother for coping so well with lockdown. <laughs> there we go. We'll be back in two weeks' time, won't we, <laughs> yes, Aidan? Yes, we will, sir. In a fortnight. And we will record at one thirty-one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, fortnight. A fortnight. Two weeks' time. Whateverworks.works is our website. That's where you'll get links to all the stuff we've been talking about. In your podcatcher as well, of course. Um, scroll down and you'll see the links there. You can follow them through while you're listening. TessSalmon.com for me, AidanBell.com for Aidan. MeWe Group, yes, do head across there. And don't forget to keep the reviews coming. Tell us whatever works in your life and we'll bring the highlights of that to the shows in the coming weeks when we can have lots more fun like we have had today, haven't we, We have Aiden? indeed, sir. Yeah, you know what? Lockdown is starting to get to me a little bit and it stays like this that cheer me up. Thank you. Jolly good. Podhub UK is where you'll find links to all our other audio podcasts and all that stuff, that goodness that we're involved in. We had a lovely um, projector room last week, which was great fun. I always enjoy talking to the guys about film, cinema and TV because they know so much more about it than me and I learn lots and um, I I can sound like I know more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're we're about done, Aidan. Don't forget, whatever whatever works, works! works!